Dear Lord, just thank you for another day to enter into your house, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would just be able to hear a good word from you this morning, Lord, that you would just speak through me, Lord, and allow everyone here to experience the overflow of the time that we've had together, Lord. I pray that your word would encourage someone, Lord, to continue to live a life, Lord, that glorifies your name, Lord. And I pray that all the viewers that get a chance to watch and see, Lord, that they would just be committed to you, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Glad to be here again with you. Uh, thank you all for being here, whether you're here physically or whether you're joining us virtually. So today's word will come from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 21 through 25. And if you would, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10 and then stand with me for the reading of God's word. When you get there, just let me know you got it. Give me a shout. Give me an amen. Give me whatever you got. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You may be seated. So as I was preparing to get up here before you today, over the past few weeks, I got to thinking to myself and I asked myself a question. Why do I come to church? Why am I here this morning? And as I got to thinking about that into more details, I wanted to ask y'all the same question. Why are you here this morning? What, what gets you out of bed? What, what, what makes you get dressed to, to drive to Whitehaven to sit here delivering word and hear a message this morning? What makes you come to church? Is it because you may feel lonely? Is it because it's part of your routine now, something that you just have created a habit of doing? Is it something because it's something that makes you feel better? Do you come for the songs, for the worship music, to, to, to hear a good song this morning? Or do you come to church for the preaching? What, what, why are you here? And I think it's important that we know why we come to church. And I think it's important that we know why we come to church. And I think it's also important that we know why we decided to become members of a particular church. So whatever church you may be a part of, if you're watching uh, on the film or why you're members of DWBC, it's important to know these things, to know the vision, to know the purpose, to know to know the core values. What, what does your church believe? Because as members of a church, if you've joined a church and said that you wanted that you are a member of that church now, you're agreeing to those beliefs. And so you need to know those beliefs. And so each year at DWBC, we wanted to make a habit of reemphasizing what we believe here. And so over the next three weeks, we'll be going through our vision of delivering word Bible church. 
And the vision here is to glorify Jesus Christ by gathering his family, growing in faith and giving out freely. And so you can find this information on the website under the identity tab if you want to look at it in greater detail. But as I was looking on the website and kept looking at the vision, I kept going straight to the gather part, the grow part and the, the give part of things. And then it, and then it hit me. Why do we gather as family? Why are we here to grow in faith? And why do we give out freely? And so what I found myself doing is I was skipping over the glorified Jesus part, which is very important to the to, to, to the vision. If, if we skip over the Christ part, then, then why are we gathering? Why are we growing and why are we giving out? Glorifying Jesus should be the reason that we come to church. Jesus should be that reason. And if we're not coming to church to glorify Jesus, then, then I ask you to search your hearts to figure out what makes you come here this morning. What makes you listen? What, what made you click on the link to, to watch this video if it's not to glorify Jesus name? Jesus is the, the head of the church and everything we do must begin with the finished work of Jesus Christ. The Jesus is the reason the author of Hebrews encourages us to hold tightly to the hope that we have. See, see, the world doesn't have the same hope that we have. The, the, the world, the world's hope is, is in other things like maybe a, a political candidate, right? Like thinking like, well, you know, if this person gets in office, then, you know, everything will be okay. You know, the world's problems will be solved. Once this, once this person gets in office, we won't have any more problems at least to the next election. So the world puts its hope in, in money, monetary value. Like, man, if I get enough money, I, I, everything will be okay. But, but, but what happens when, man, there's, there, there's a family emergency, there's an incident, there, there, there's something that now takes away the money that I put my hope in. The, the, the world also puts its hope in things like sports. And don't get me wrong, I'm a big sports guy, but, but our hope can't be found there. But I've seen a lot of people that want to put their hope in a sports team. Like, man, you know my sports team, they're going to win it all this year. My sports team is the best. You know such and such is the best player in the world. And it's like, man, th th there's really no hope in that. I've also seen people put their hope in a vaccine for, for the coronavirus. Like, you know, when a, when a vaccine comes out, you know, things will get back to normal. Well, who's guaranteeing normal again? The old normal that we were used to. In and of themselves, these things aren't bad, innately bad, but, but they have no eternal value. They, they actually give us false hope rather than the true hope that comes from knowing Christ. So what causes us to, to lose our grip on Christ? What causes us to lose our grip on our hope in Christ? One thing I think that causes us to lose our grip is our feelings. So we'll experience something that feels real good, man. We like the way that feels, man. Man, that, that makes me happy. That brings me joy. And so from now on, my days are predicated towards, you know what? I want that feeling. So I'm going to do anything and everything I can to, to, to get that feeling again. Or, or you could, you'll find the opposite. I, I've dealt with some type of trauma or some type of bad thing. And now all of a sudden, you know, I want to do everything and anything I can to never feel like that again. Yeah, and emotions are real, but we can't allow our emotions to 
dictate our faith in Christ. Another thing that will cause us to lose our grip is control. Wanting to control things. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, man, I love control. I want to control things. I want to dictate how things go. I, this is how everything should work. I, I'm that type of person. But, but we can't always have control because if we always seek control, we will start to lose our grip. So, man, you'll find people that will, that are in desperate need of a job, praying for a job. I need money. I got bills piling up. I mean, I need, I can't afford food like I, like I need. And so, man, I need a job. Lord, send me a job. Then all of a sudden the Lord blesses you with the job and your response is, I don't want that job or I'm tired of working here. But it's like, man, that's what you were praying for. That's what you asked God for. And now you don't want that because it, it, you, you you want the control of having the job that, that you want. Another thing that causes us to lose our grip is a, a lack of patience. Wanting things done on our time. Wanting things to happen when I think they should happen. Not not God's timing, but my timing. And a, a prosperity gospel will mess us, mess us up in the way that we think. A prosperity gospel will have us thinking like, well, I did everything that somebody told me I should do. Why am I not receiving the payoff from it? Ultimately, I think we waver in our faith because we start to lose sight of the cross. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul says this. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. So Paul was holding on to the hope that he had in Christ despite his circumstances. And so Paul, when he says this, he's in jail at the time. He's in prison at the time. And don't think of modern day prisons that we have today, but the Roman prisons were very different from what we have. Man, think of a dungeon. Think of, think of a dark, wet, damp place that, that is cramped up. Think of a place where if you commit a crime, you don't get the chance to see family members anymore. You don't have the hope of one day being released. That's not the type of prison we're talking about. The, the Roman prison was a place where people were mistreated, where they lived a life of isolation. And they were often seen as if you were going to prison, it was a place where you were likely going to die. And Paul's response to these circumstances are, for me, living is Christ and dying is even better. And so I really want us to grasp, grasp this. So imagine that Paul is being arrested and his pe- people are around saying, man, Paul, praying for you, man, you're going to jail, man. I can't believe this is happening. And Paul's like, it's all good. For me, living, living means living for Christ. Uh, and people be like, man, I, I don't think he gets it. Uh, Paul, you, you, you may die where you're going. You, that people die when they go to jail, prison. Paul, like, do, do you understand? He's like, even better. Mm-hmm. Like, think about that mindset, man. He's not worried about his circumstance that's going on, but he has an eternal mindset that he's not distracted by the things of this world. In our community, things in this world that we've been dealing with lately has been, man, it, it, we've been dealing with a lot. You've got the corona, the corona pandemic that's happened. You've got systemic injustice that's been happening. You've got tension between different ethnicities and other races. We've seen numerous videos of our African-American brothers and sisters being killed. We've seen iconic, um, major icons pass away like Kobe Bryant and Chadwick Bossman. And so if you're like me, you've been dealing with a, a, an array of emotions over the past few months. I know for myself personally, I, 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 I'm emotionally exhausted. Yeah. It, it just feels like we're being hit from every direction. And it's like, can we get a break? Yeah, 
And so how do we continue when it seems like things are just constantly piling up on us? And we'll do what the author of Hebrews told us, man, we hold on to the faith that we have and we hold on to that faith by trusting in God, trusting in his promise to us. John 3.16 says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That's the promise yes, sir. that our faith in Christ's finished work on the cross, that we will have eternal life with God. That's the promise that we have. And we can have confidence in that because Christ takes us from a place of separation into the presence of God. And our confidence comes because Jesus is our high priest and our high priest. He's our high priest because he's the mediator between us and God. He's the one that, 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 that stands between us and God pleading on our behalf, reconciling us back to God. Yes, we can we can also have confidence in Jesus because he made the ultimate sacrifice. You know, he he paid a price with his life on the cross, which paid, which atoned for the sins that we've committed in the past, that, that, that we may have committed today, that, that we will commit in the future. He's atoned for all of it. He's paid for all of it. Yeah, yeah. Christ has taken the work from us and done the work that we couldn't do for ourselves. Yeah. Hebrew says we used to have a guilty conscience. So I got to thinking to myself, I don't want us to think this word guilty is the guilt like shame or guilt of a feeling or like I did something bad. This guilty conscience is guilty like a verdict, like a ruling. Like if you were in a courtroom, and you've been found guilty because according to Romans 323, we, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So man, we're all have been found guilty. Yeah. 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 And it took me some time to come to terms with that because. Just asking if before Christ revealed himself to you, how many of y'all would have considered yourselves to be evil, to be bad people? I've met a lot of people who think of themselves as good. And my question is, what makes someone good? What makes them good? And I actually believe we think of people as good based off a standard that we have in our own heads that, 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 that they meet or we compare them to other people and say, well, you know, they're not like this person. Yeah. Or they, they didn't do things like that person did where I kind of felt some type of way about it. Now, they don't do things like that, so they must be better. Or we compare ourselves to other people and say, you know what? I, I, I have a moral standard that other people don't meet, and I actually meet my standard. So, so, so I, must be a, I must be a good person. Good and, and, and we can only see ourselves as, as guilty once we actually see, once God has actually revealed himself to us. Yes, so we didn't just wake up one day and start thinking to ourselves, you know what? I'm a bad person. We, I mean, who's ever woken up and just taught themselves, you know, you know, I, I, I'm bad. Yep, I admit it, I'm bad. We can only recognize how sinful we are once God reveals himself to us. And now we can see how holy he is and how messed up we truly are before Christ. But by God's grace, a transformation from, from evil to now righteousness has happened because of what Christ has done. And now we, we, we are seen as righteous, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done for us. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah would say, even our most righteous acts are considered filthy rags to God. So even on my best day, when I think I've just been killing it, when I think I've just been serving people, you know what? Gave some money to the homeless today. Lord, I must be good today. And it's like, man, that, that, that's still a filthy rag. 
Th those are your works. But but Christ has transformed us into giving us sincere hearts. So Christ has given us genuine, authentic hearts that are now crucified with him. And now we're able to live holy, righteous lives that honor and glorify God. Christ transforms our hearts from hearts that were once hostile towards God. And he now has transformed us into to giving us hearts that now want to glorify him. So what are some of the ways that we can glorify God? One way is by looking for ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And to do these things, to motivate each other to acts of love and good works, we must think intentionally. That takes some, some thinking to do. We must, we must think about one another and we must think about the people in our community, people that we come in contact with on a regular basis. And, and, and when we see these opportunities, we need to figure out a way. How, how can we help give? How can we, how can we help serve? And now, in the way that we serve or give or help inspire people, it doesn't always have to be some, some grand gesture, right? So, so you may not always have a million dollars to give away to some organization and donate, but you may have a dollar. You may have five bucks. You may, you, you may have ten dollars that you can give. Do, do, do what's in your means. And, and I don't always want us to think that acts of love and good works means giving money. It's monetary value. Sometimes it could just be your time. Like, you know what? I can't I can't donate any money to it. But but can I help serve? Can I can be some boots on the ground for you? Sometimes it can be saying a kind word. How you doing today? You look nice. Did you get a new haircut? I, I, I like your box braids. Like may, maybe it's something like that. Like maybe it's giving somebody a hug today. May, may, maybe that's what it does. Just coming coming in close contact with somebody today. Maybe it's providing a meal for somebody. So it doesn't always have to be I give my money, but I, I can give other things. We were at the me and Pastor Joplin were at the gas station a couple weeks ago. My car was over here. We walked to the gas station and I didn't have a mask. Right. So I realized that when I got there, I didn't feel like walking back to my car. So I asked Pastor Joplin, would he go in and get what I needed? Before you know it, some lady out her window talking about, hey, I got I, I got a mask for you. And that's just a it's just a, it's a nice gesture. That's an act of love that, that took her no money. She didn't have to do anything but say, hey, here you go. She could have just kept going with her day. She didn't have to stop and give me anything. So when we when we see a need, the first thing is we have to see it. Come on, man. And then once we see it, we need to figure out a way. How can we serve and not serve so we can try to feel good about ourselves? But we serve in the hope of sharing Christ. Yes, because Christ is the ultimate good work and our relationship with him should lead us to good works. And so the second way we want to glorify God is by gathering with one another. And we gather so we can help encourage one another. And that word encourage means to come alongside. So to come alongside one another. So so we can't encourage each other in isolation. That takes we we, we got to get close to one another, another in, in, to encourage one another. And so as we encourage one another, we do this. We do this by, you know, we live in a society right now where it's like, man, it may not be the best practice to, to get too close, you know, six feet, all that type of stuff that's going on. Uh, and I get it. I get it. But but there's different ways to encourage one another right now. I mean, we got these wonderful things called cell phones. And so just because I can't get close to you in person right now, maybe I pick up my phone and call you. Maybe I shoot you a quick text today. Okay, I want to see your face. So we get on FaceTime today. 
Man, God has God has given us so much technology right now that that we don't have to stop seeing one another. That we don't have to stop engaging or encouraging one another. Man, we we got Zoom, you got Google Hangout, you got you got Microsoft Teams, you got these little bitty boxes where y'all can all log in with this link and all be encouraging one another. We can't let the coronavirus stop us from encouraging each other. And I get it right now. Some people are scared to come to church. People are scared to come to a building. And I understand that completely. But that shouldn't stop the church from getting the word out that can help encourage people. Man, we've got YouTube. We got Vimeo. You got Facebook. You got Instagram. We've got plenty of ways to encourage one another. And so here at DWBC, we look to encourage people in two different ways. Sunday mornings where we can come for from 10 to around 11, 11, 15, when we call it our equipping hour, where we want to equip you with the word of God, where you can understand it practically, where you can understand how to live it out, and where you can understand to go reteach it to people that you would deal with or see on a daily basis. The other way we gather is in small groups. So we'll meet in little discipleship groups throughout the week. We have one women's group and we have two men's group where we look to engage with one another, look to be around one another, and, and encourage each other to keep pushing forward in Christ and so each day as we continue to encourage one another is also a day closer to the return of Christ and so my prayer is if your faith is not in Jesus I pray that the Lord would reveal himself to you that he would give you a genuine authentic heart that is no longer hostile towards him but is now loving and wants to glorify his name And I pray for people that do have their faith in Christ. I pray that you continue in him holding tightly to the hope that you have, knowing that Christ is coming one day soon. Let's pray. Dear Lord, just thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, I pray that somebody was encouraged today, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for the hope that we have in your name, Lord. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't forget that blessing, Lord, that we would hold tightly to the hope that we have in your name, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would share this this hope with others, Lord. Lord, we live in a world that is hopeless, Lord. People are feeling pain, Lord. People are feeling discomfort, Lord. People are feeling lonely, Lord. And I pray that as you draw closer to us, we will draw closer to other people, Lord, and give them the hope that we have and share the hope that we have with them, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.